You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. Music Biz 101 and more Brave New Radio 8.7 WPSC, the campus winning pass of the university. I'm your professor, Dr. David Kirk Philp, along with the. I can't remember. I've never. Much better. I, I, we will have Rob Vusari on next week, and we will see Great. who's a better singer than he. Oh, I don't think we need I to do think, that. well, we're probably going to have a 25-minute song off. So we'll, how are you? Anyway. I've never been better. This is probably the best I've ever Good. been in my we life. We have a very crowded studio tonight. Though. A lot of people in the studio. More people than ever, I think. Even when uh, Aaron and um, the film composer was here, you were once on assignment, and we had a full choir in here. Oh, we had like here a, or were we they had, back in then? here. We had like fifteen people. Wow, in I'm here. glad I was yeah. on assignment. You were on assignment. That so, week. who's with us tonight? Well, with us tonight, we have Glenn Burtnick, Tony Palagrosi, and Rich Russo. We'll get to them in a minute. They're okay. very, well, we'll just say Glenn, Tony, and Rich. Glenn, Tony, and Rich. All right. They're in a they're in a, a barbershop trio. And uh, it's going to be exciting to hear them uh, sing in quadraphonic. So good job, you guys. Looking forward to that. Music Biz 101 and more Brave New Radio. Visit us, musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for a newsletter. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at musicbiz101wp. We have a producer. She's a fine producer, a wonderful gal. Her name is Bianca Russo. Her name is Bianca Russo. She's a producer. That's what she does. That's who she is. That's how she is defined. Again, that was Rob Fusari, who's uh, going to be here next week doing Don't Let Love Down, his new single ri- co-written with Lady Gaga, and we're going to talk about that next week. And then right now, we w- could, should we give a little thanks? Doc- oh, I never said that you're Dr. Esteban Marconi. That's okay. I just, uh, yeah, the way you were saying I was trying to be incognito. Right, which is uh, fair. You look good when you're incognito. Too. I know, exactly. So, okay, we want to give thanks. Let's give some quick thanks. We want to give thanks to the Music Biz Association. Save the date for May 16th through the 18th year of our Lord, 2016, when Music Biz goes to Music Biz in the Music City. We will be in Nashville, Tennessee, one of the 50 states, with a group of students interviewing industry pros and making connections, and that's all for the Music Biz. Coming up. Coming up. That's Paul McCartney's song. How many students do we have going? We uh, may have 20 at this point. I think we have an addition. Wow. Addition with an A, not edition is a new edition, Bobby Brown. Yes, yes. That's yes. right. And then we also want to give thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno Inc. and White Hat Management with artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, Sharon Jones, and the Dap Kings, and Kiss. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to vb-cpa.com when you are ready. That's right. And we want to thank him for his donation to help us go to Nashville, Tennessee, one well, of our 50 states. Well, help the students go. 
help the students go. Us right. meaning, I'm sorry, I meant the collective William Patterson University, but certainly not you or I. No. We are professors. We will oh, never partake no. in any of that. Pankus, pankus. And then we also want to give thanks out to Christine Vey, a wealth manager and the president of Vey, Oy Vey Wealth Management. She probably hates when I do that, oh, yeah. so I'm not going to do <laughs> <laughs> you know she does. So it's just Vey Wealth Management. Christine has helped many of our professionals at William Patterson the University to manage their investments and plan out their retirement. If you are looking for some guidance on how to plan for your retirement, Glenn, Rich, or Tony, or if you have questions on anything from investments and portfolio management to insurance and retirement planning, give Christine a call at 732-455-1510. Did you guys hear how I said that phone What's number? That number? The number... 732-455-1510. But I don't think any of us need, like, retirement stuff. I mean, Glenn wrote, like, a number one song. Tony in the parking lot just came up with an unbelievable website there that we we're go. all going to be benefiting from. So I think we'll be good. We don't need to retire. We don't need to retire. That's right. But you'll I need want to her call number. her anyway, though. <laughs> well, if you do want to call her, I think you yeah. should whip out your phone and yeah. dial 732-455-1510 for Christine Vey. You can also email her, Glenn. Do you have a picture? Uh, I have a sketch from the police department. Yeah. <laughs> you keep raising your finger, Dr. No, you're Marconi. you're going to give the email. I'm going to give the electronic mail if you have interweb. Christine at VeyWealth.com for advisement. And, of course, when we talk about the portfolio. <laughs> Remember, no portfolio is too small. Mm. <laughs> no, it's oh. too big. Too big. <laughs> the joke is no, no portfolio is too, too big too, for Christine. No, too small. Okay. Size doesn't matter. <laughs> no, it certainly does not. I know, I know. So uh, happy birthday to Glenn Burtnick, by the way. Wow. Four days ago, five days ago, April 8th it was. Yeah. April 8th. Wow. And there we go. Glenn oh, Burtnick, happy four. birthday. 25 years old. Talking 25 about trivia. Years. I know, looking good. Professor David Kirk Phil. My birthday was yesterday, Glenn Burton. Yes, which you did not, you did not know that. Happy birthday to me. I'm a little upset. I'll get over it, but I'll have trouble sleeping. I'm embarrassed, too. I told everybody, Glenn Burtnick knows my, knows my birthday. Now I do. Yeah, now you do. So there we go. So it's true. All right, so quick bios. Let's talk about Tony Palagrossi for those. Tony's the owner of regional concert company UMT Presents. He's the founder of the Asbury Angel Project and Light of Day Foundation, one of which you are the co-founder. I'm not sure which I just used founder for both, even though one is a co-founder. The co is uh, Light of Day Foundation. Light of Day yes. Foundation right. co-founder. Who you Bob Benjamin. Yes. Bob Benjamin. Okay, there we go. All about the Benjamins. Then uh, president owner of the Summer of Love Experience which we're going to talk about quite a bit tonight, and former owner of the Starland Ballroom. Yes. Which oh. everybody in New Jersey who has an instrument loves. Great. Yes. Right. I did a good thing. Yeah, you, you certainly did. Yeah. One, In fact, one of my uh, students named Bobby Mahoney, who Rich Russo knows on the pretty radio well. all the time. Yeah, he, Bobby is going to play. Is it today his Hold birthday? Hold you're responsible yes, for yes, Bobby yes, Mahoney? Really? Speaking of yeah, birthdays. I'm, I'm, his, I'm his father. Yeah, that's right. Bobby, I didn't mean that. That's right. Bobby Mahoney's birthday is also my birthday, oh. which is not Glenn Burtnick's birthday, which was five days ago. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Glenn. Glenn Burtnick. Happy birthday. 25. It's like the evening All zoo. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Uh, we're coming to traffic with Bianca in just a minute. A lot of editing. All right. So, uh, <laughs> and then we have Rich Russo here, who is the host uh, and curator of Anything Anything, which is, you no, know, would you call it syndicated? I know it's on DHA. I know it's on The Peak. Uh, it, yeah, I guess it's syndicated. It's syndicated. We're going to be on in Detroit and L.A. and a bunch of other markets. Uh, I guess it's syndicated. That's okay. So, Rich, who knows radio, also with uh, JM, JL Media. Well, that's like the other part of my life. That's what pays day. the bills. The radio is what's fun. Okay. And I'm on Sirius, one there in the Grand Garage. So oh, oh we still, right. it's Little Steven. Yeah. Uh, there we go. Okay. I'm on that channel, too. All right. There we go. And speaking of channel two. And I'm two, also on this. 
Brave New Radio. Brave New Radio. Braveology. That's, that's what, we, that's what we're talking about. And then we have Glenn Burtnick. I already mentioned the birthday. He wrote a big hit with Don Henley and Patti Smythe, Sometimes Love Just Ain't Enough. Was that the full title, or is it is sometimes in the title, or is it Love Just Ain't Enough, or is it... Uh, it was originally known as Sometimes Lunch Just Ain't Enough, but it actually we shortened it down to love because it's only four letters in the word love. Uh, so Sometimes Love Just Ain't Enough is the title. And Henley wanted to make that the B-side of Sunset Grill. The launch and the grill would have been perfect. Would have, yeah. There we go. That's yeah. Yeah. picking up your Don Henley trivia there. That would have been... Would have been better, I think. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that would have been huge. Yeah, that would have been huge. And the, and the lunch part would have been good they for missed, Weight Watchers. They so missed the boat. Yeah. Giffen missed the opportunity. There's quite a number see, of dollars that could have. See come how from, show uh, businesses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. how could you miss it's, that it's, boat? It's, yeah, I, I, yeah. Why, don't, why don't you go back after this and rewrite that tune and come back when you have a hit? I already okay. did in right. my head just now. <laughs> there we go. He's also written for Randy Travis. He's the original man, uh, in, original member. Of Beatlemania. Wow. Going yeah. back. Now, were you, it was ran on Broadway from 77 to 79. Were, were you on the whole time? Or oh, no, no, no. How no. long were you on in Beatlemania? No, there were a number of casts, actually, in that era. Uh -huh. And, uh, yeah, I, I was on Broadway for a short amount of time, and then they shipped me out to Los Angeles. And then I went, you know, so I was in L.A. for a year, for almost a year, and then I was in San Francisco and then San Diego. It was a, it was a Broadway show. Mm -hmm. And, um, but... And I was in it for about two years, and I got really sick of it, and then I left. Okay. But but it was a great. Uh, I've always said I didn't go to college. I went to Beatlemania, and it was a it was a good start for me. And with Marshall mm -hmm. Crenshaw, right? He was my John, as I like John, to say, in a nice way. Yeah, in a nice <laughs> way. Best sense. Yes. Okay. And we're Not still. Not the sense of the website. No. 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 no and we're still very good friends. <laughs> I've written a lot with him. Uh, you know, we we. Get together often. Doesn't he live uh, upstate New Woodstock York? Woodstockish. Wood, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's um, Dave Kurzer, who runs our pop program here, uh, knows Marshall Crenshaw. In fact, we had a radio show about two weeks ago, and Marshall Crenshaw's name was brought up twice, which is funny. Boy. Yeah. So it's, it's a Marshall Crenshaw week here at uh, WPSC. <laughs> and he has his own radio show. Yes. Marshall Crenshaw does. The Bottomless Pit. That's right. Is that on Sirius yeah. or is well, that uh, on uh, another college radio station that we won't say? Mm. Yeah. Mm. We don't want to promote it's another college radio station. Good. No, we don't it's want not as good as this one. Not, of promote. course, William Patterson, and, the university. And, and, and as a promoter, I know this. He's one of the few artists that absolutely refuses these days to play his better-known material. <laughs> really? Oh, yes. That's just out of spite. <laughs> right. <laughs> no matter how much you want him to, he just Someday, some way, he will not play his uh, Very rare. Very you have to, at, a, at a Marshall Crenshaw show, you have to bring Robert Gordon to do Someday, Some Way, because Marshall won't do it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and then uh, to finalize, so Glenn also has a, a Christmas, no, an Xmas extravaganza at uh, Camp Basie and Red, Camp Basie Theater in Redbird, in Redbird in Red Bank. You still do that? Do you call it Xmas extravaganza, or you call no? It, what do you call it? No, I stopped doing it. Um, for about twenty years, I did that show, and then and then recently, I got tired of Christmas. You were at the so, bottom line, right? That, yeah, I spent there. ten years at the bottom line with that yeah, show, okay. and then mm -hmm. and we did it at a number of other. Places we started at the Stone Pony in Asbury Park, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and Asbury Park, New Jersey, yeah. New Jersey. Here we go. Yeah, but yes, it was something that uh, was a lot of fun, but a lot of work. <laughs> and the thing about Christmas is, it takes place in December, and everybody's very, very busy in mm -hmm. December. So putting together a big, giant show as it was uh, has become difficult. But then again. I'm thinking about doing it this year again. So anyway, so I'm like a, a glutton for punishment. But uh, yeah, it's something that comes and goes now. It's just when I'm in the mood. Okay. 
All right. And then um, you were also in La Bama and the Hubcaps. You've done a whole lot of stuff. And you're also part of the Summer of Love experience. Yes. Which is a lot of what we're here about, which, uh, Tony, you own? Well, Glenn and I. Glenn and I own. Yes. Not I, but I was you for a moment. I? I do not own. I, we, it, me. Yes, the, the royal we. The, us. We're partners. Us. There we go. That's us. It's not an I. And why are we talking about this on our WPU show? Because they are going to be coming to WP, the university. No. On April 30th. Correct. Craig Wolper, who is here from the. Yes, sir. Yes, right. We should say hi to Craig Wolper here. He's from uh, WP Presents, who uh, are the folks who brought these fellas here tonight. Fifth to... year. Fifth year, the... fourth year in a row. Now. Fourth yeah. year in a row. Wow. This will be the fourth. Yes. This yeah. Will be the fourth year. Great. <laughs> who can remember? We're good. And we have a great time. We're, we, the last, the last three shows were uh, wonderful experiences. Great audience and we do this thing the summer of love show is uh where we revisit all of the music of the late 60s that really inspired us at, at, you know when i was a kid it meant everything to me and it still does i still i was telling rich that today i pulled out uh the second spirit album huh. you Dang. know the family mm -hmm. that plays together yeah. and i and i you know for no reason except for like i wanted to listen you know see what it sounded like again to be reminded, and it's really a big part of my life. Although you know, I've moved on and and done other things, but in we all have we have a very soft spot spot in our hearts for the music of the summer of love. So we we kind of revisit it with our show. So who came up with the idea? Uh, <laughs> Rusty. <Yeah. laughs> well, actually, it was, not really. Um, there were there was a guy. <laughs> Who, who used to be the executive director of the of, uh, Count Basie Theater Foundation. Mm -hmm. And he had been trying to get a hold of Glenn. And he wanted to do something with Glenn. Because you know, everyone knew that Glenn was able to put on these beautiful extravaganza-type shows. And he was like, I want to do something with Glenn to benefit the Count Basie Foundation. So couldn't get a hold of Glenn. He got a hold of me. I got a hold of Glenn. And then we sat down and we came up with doing something with this music that both Glenn and I loved. And, you know, we, we were raised on it. This is what, these were the hit singles that are part of our musical fabric and consciousness. And, um, you know, we had a big, uh, a long period of discovery of, you know, looking at all of the festivals between 1967 and 1969 and what, what artists were playing those festivals um, and what, was on top 40 radio at the time that translated to the kind of the, the Woodstock generation idea of, of, of that we were putting together. What was on FM radio at the time, what intersected, and we came up with, I think, a very definitive group of songs um, that vary from show to show uh, to kind of express our interpretation of what the summer of love is. And the way we define it, we, we kind of define it as beginning on June 2nd, when Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band was released in 1967 to Woodstock mm -hmm. in 1969, August 13, 14, and 15 of 1969. It's so, a very, great. very rich time right. in popular music. Absolutely. You know? And, yeah, and, uh, yeah my, like my favorite playlist on my iPod or whatever is always, it, it's a thing called the Summer of Love playlist, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, so it just so happens that when we started talking about what kind of show we could put together, it, se it seemed to make a lot of sense. Why not play all of that music? So 
Uh, so it's, it's a blast and it's great. And, and we really sit down and work very hard on trying to recreate, reproduce, because I'm a, such a big record fan that, you know, if there's a cowbell in a song, we want to hear it. And if, <laughs> and if there's a, you know, if there's a harp in the song, we got to make it happen, you know. So there's stuff like that. We pay a lot of attention to the details. So about how many songs do we do in a night? 30? Yeah, between 25 and 30. As, as Craig knows, it's a very long show. It can be. It's a show that just keeps going. Mm-hmm. You know what? The audience would stay another hour. I was going to say not yeah. long in a bad way. Long right. in yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a right. lot of songs, but it's it's exciting. You know, it's right. our Springsteen training, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Longer the better. <laughs> how, many, uh, how many different acts do you cover in the night? About thirty. Yeah. <laughs> one song right, per artist. Like almost, almost, song almost one per artist. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are a couple of artists that we do a couple of songs from, but I, I would say at least twenty to twenty-five artists. And likewise, uh, we have a cast of about twenty. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to ask that yeah. how many. Big. You know, we have strings and horns and percussion and uh, a number of guest singers that walk out and stuff like that. So it's a. Uh, mm-hmm. And we've been fortunate to, you know, taking the size of the con- show into consideration, we've been fortunate and to be able to basically have a, a band that pretty much goes out the same way every time. Not every time. and But what we've found over time, because this has had six years now to kind of germinate and populate, that, that the people who we use as substitutes, we call them substitutes, but they're really part of the family, mm-hmm. they're every bit as good as the people that are there most of the time. So it's really, it's kind of fascinating to have found out how many people love this period of music like we do mm-hmm. and how many people have an affinity and a musical affinity and, and can sing these songs uh, not as a cover band would do but from from the heart and I think that's the best part of our show is that it's very authentic you know it doesn't you know this is not a cover band it's like more a yeah. tribute than well it's a recreation it's mm-hmm. a celebration of the music in a very real you know uh, immediate you know in the present time way you know, you know there's a guy uh, Mark Rubenstein who uh, he was and is again known as Pig Light Show, which was a light show that used to, uh, you know, be at the Fillmore East in the right. Capitol Theater. Right, right. And uh, he's come out of retirement, and he and he's a part of our show. So that the whole time we're doing, the musicians are on stage doing what we're doing. There's a whole video thing happening behind us, which right. you know, kind of is a throwback right. to that era when light shows were very much a part of that. Right. right. And and he was able to digitize what he did on those oil projection lamps yeah, at the right. Fillmore mm-hmm. East in New York in 1969 and 70 and 71. And then when he trans uh, transitioned over to the Capitol Theater in Passaic and worked with John Scher. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just amazing what he's able to do. And it's, it's, very, it, it's very improvisational. He's actually creating as the show is going on. He has ideas and he has some set pieces, but a lot of it, is just happening spontaneously and improvisationally. Yeah, that was the beauty yeah. of the original. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. It's an yeah. art form. It's kind of a lost oh, yeah. art form. No two were identical. There's yeah. really nobody, no one else that does what he does. Yeah. Right. Right. And then the, um, the West, the Joe's Lights was on the West Coast. Uh, yeah, there was, yeah. Well, the, the, yeah there, there was... There was Pig Light Show, and then there was Joshua. Joshua. Joshua right. That's what I was thinking. And, and Mark studied under Joshua. Uh. And when Joshua wanted to do bigger and better things and bigger venues, Joshua, Joshua went to the West Coast and started working the bigger shows for, uh, for Bill Graham. And, right. and, and and Pig Light Show took over at Fillmore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when, when so when this music was new, uh, you know, the artists that were doing it were very young people that were incredibly creative. 
and very like turned on, and so they would do acid before the shows. Whereas we're, we're a little more mature, and we do ant acid, <laughs> and a lot of it. But um, <laughs> yeah, right. right. I almost overdosed the other night on ant acid. It was horrible. Nice. <laughs> so let, go, let's go back. Okay, so then the idea is let's do this show. Um, so I, I say it in quotes. The easy part is is getting the band together. If you saw the Blues Brothers, that's not the easy part. No. But let's say all right, we, we get the band together. But then I would I would think the hard part then is finding, you know, the money to to pay everybody to, to, rehearse, to get the space to rehearse. How long do you rehearse before you do a show? Like, if you haven't done a show in a couple months, how long do you do one, two, couple, four-hour well, rehearsals? You know, there, a lot of this stuff, because this is our fourth or fifth year or whatever Sixth it is. Sixth year. Sixth year. Yeah. Um, you know, there are, there are things that we know very well, so it only needs one or two run-throughs. Right. But usually it's about two weeks of... Uh, Leading up to a performance, and do you rent out some rehearsal space? Yeah, somewhere? yeah, yeah. We we yeah. have a, we have our favorite space in, in Red Bank mm-hmm. that we use uh, called Retro Media Studios. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so there's budget for that. Then obviously paying the group, and we're not trying to dig into exactly what you pay. Sure, but, you are. But for the uh, well, for the people who are interested in, in yeah. replicating this kind of thing, or just the students who are listening who want to know how this works. It's impossible to replicate, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you do have to kind of spend of spend. Lawsuit. You have to spend some money to. To put on a good show, yeah, mm-hmm. right. I mean, there, there was there was definitely an initial investment the first year. Um, we did a, a shoot at the Paramount Theater, uh, which which became our sizzle reel. And um, on our website, we have six or seven of the songs that we recorded live on the Paramount Theater stage in Asbury Park. Um, and then you know there were, we had to create a website. Facebook, the Facebook page didn't cost anything, but the creation of the website and the maintenance of the website is an ongoing cost. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the creation of our sizzle reel and, and the live recordings mm-hmm. and the mixing of all of that stuff that right. we did, which was really a, a labor of love, but it, it took a long time. When you go on the road, does the light show come with you? or is it, okay. Oh, yeah. So you have him and his gear, and then you have the 20 musicians, right, who go on the road with you? Because you're, when I say on the road... Yeah. Because you're you're playing Cleveland, you're doing Texas. I mean, you're you're right. you're not just doing Jersey stuff. I mean, no. you're playing around. Yeah. Are you? Is is the goal to play twenty five, thirty of these a year, or keep it fun? Keep <laughs> it's it funny that you say. Yeah, that. we're uh-huh. just talking about. Yeah, it. Uh-huh. yeah. I mean, we're, we're at about twenty this year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In calendar year twenty sixteen, you're at about twenty shows. Yeah. Is that all in trucks driving, or you're flying? Fly. Or? Flying. Yeah. Mostly flying. Rock okay. and roll. We have our own jet. Just kidding. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the love jet. The love jet. <laughs> That's hot. You've heard of the love boat? We have the love jet. Right. Uh, from time to time, from time to time, do you have any guests that sit in, like for the uh, to do a number or two? That. Well, you know, every, every show. Well, a lot of our shows start with a a, a, a sitar player and a tabla player and oh. stuff like that. Like we have some people that just come and. And kind of do it, um, but the the very first show we had Patty Smythe, my friend, yep. mm-hmm. came and she sang uh, a couple of songs from that era. Uh, but um, yeah, most of the time we we have this cast of people that you may not have heard of yet, but it's a lot of young, really great talent, really great singers, um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 actually more varied and and there's a low ego factor backstage, which I really like. Bunch of cool people, mm-hmm. and and we've kind of purposely not invited a lot of outside people in order to create that sense of band 
bandhood, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it makes it a show that we can actually replicate and take on the road, because so many of these large events you can't do that with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, we purposely set out to be, to create something that, even though it's big and cumbersome, it's it's capable of being taken on the road. How big are the venues that you play? I know Shea's like nine hundred. Is that theaters? Yeah, yeah. PACs and. You know, about between seven and sixteen hundred seats right now. We we actually were in uh, Muncie, Indiana, in in February, um, and we played a thirty six hundred seat theater. Mm. Yeah, which was a little weird. But how you do? How many did you? No, 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 no. We did about a thousand people, but you know, which was great. Can yeah. you make money yeah. off on a thousand? Yeah. yeah, well, we get guarantees. You know, I mean. Okay. Yeah. So your age, median age audience would be you're guessing. Uh. Grown-ups. Yeah. Grown-ups, <laughs> <laughs> a good way to put it. You know, grown-up is the new child, so. Yes, the 60s, the new 40, that's right. So that, right. Right, right, right. Um, Germán is listening. He's uh, He gave us a, a tweet question, and he wants to know what percentage of the revenues in these events are non-musical? Like, uh, do you get anything from merch, food, drink sales? Is that's it all to scare to scare uh, No, actually, no. no. <laughs> we don't no. get any of that. But we're, uh-huh. gonna, we're gonna be for 2017. We're going to develop a line of merch. So you have no merch at this point. No, no. no. How come you've you've waited? Well, You're I mean, busy. I, I mean that's a good that's a good question. I mean, from my observation, merch has never been a big thing with celebration bands and tribute bands. I, mm-hmm. I, I've watched uh, what um, the Fab Faux do in merch, and it's not much. But right. I think in 2017, if you if if we attach the 50th anniversary of the Summer of Love. It kind of brings another dimension to the merchandise, and I think that's we'll, we're going to focus on that. Yeah, the, the Summer of Love was 1967. Seven, yeah. to be accurate, right. officially, yeah. Right. Yeah. right. Now, does anybody own quote the Summer of Love? That's an interesting quote. question. We we wondered about that when we first put the show together. It's like, right. well, does somebody own this, and and can somebody steal this name and all of that? And we looked into it. We're cool. Everything's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, are you trying to get a trademark on on it? I'm not. Are you, Tony? Um, <laughs> or right after the show. Oh, you know? You know, I didn't tell you, Glenn, but I have one. Yeah, uh, the, guy, the guy who just tweeted just trademarked yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's right. I, actually, the reality is the summer of love is in the public domain. Oh, okay. Nobody can trademark it. Oh, okay. So is eight... but if you do it and we find out where you live, <laughs> you, you won't be getting out of bed. That this is New Jersey. Yeah. That's, that's right. Um, so, so is what you do. I mean, it's rep, it's legally replicable. But Absolutely. it would just be extremely hard to do. But I'm just saying if somebody wanted to, because there are ideas and people are always concerned oh, sure. that my idea will be stolen. This can be stolen, but to be done as well and to really be done, you have to have yeah. the commitment and the talent and the wherewithal. Yeah, it's not ask. really the concept as much as the performance. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I mean, the concept, uh, when we, when we, you know, we get a gig to play Muncie in Indiana where we've never taken the Summer of Love before, People buy tickets, and that's because they get it. The second they hear the name Summer of Love, they, yes. they kind of get an idea of what we're going to do, and then they see the poster, and then maybe they go online, they see the video, and they say, oh, this looks interesting. Mm-hmm. But, it, it, but the, you know, so the name itself helps people understand and buy tickets. Right. But then once they see the show, we do a really good show. We work really hard, and I think that's, and that's really the deal for us. We, we just want to put on a good show. What what are your roles, the three of you? Like Glenn, I guess we can guess that you'd be band leader. Yeah. Um, kind of. You guitar tech. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of stand in the middle of the stage and make everybody happy. And uh, 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 there's another partner we have, uh, Vinny Daniele, plays bass, and he, he does a lot of the wrangling. You know, musicians are like felines. Yep. And, and wrangling felines is not an easy thing. <laughs> but, um, but, you have to uh, bring out a whole lot of cardboard boxes. Yeah. <laughs> get them in one Yeah, point, get right? this one in a box. <laughs> um, yeah. So we... Um, so yeah, there's a there's a couple of us. We have a family, and and uh, Tony really does uh, a lot. Well, he does a lot. He did he does a lot of the administrative stuff. He does a lot of the booking stuff. He uh, he tells me when my shirt's on backwards, and, uh, <laughs> you know whatever whatever needs to be done. Tony makes sure that it it's professional. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, Rich, what what is uh, what are the different things that you're doing? I just actually go and watch it. I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's right. true. It's true. I have. Yeah. I literally yeah. just go and watch it. Well, They're right. both friends. I go support them. Cool. They need help. They need to. You know, they'll modest. send me a song to play on the radio. I'll play it on the radio. I'll promote it for them. But like in terms of the whole business operation of it, I you know more of just a fan and just amazed at how great it's become from the first one to the one last year and how bigger it gets and just you know a tribute to how. Hard these guys work, and obviously Glenn is a world class musician, and that's that. And he's put together an amazing thing. Craig, Craig Wolper, did you want to interject at all? Well, I just want to say he was being somewhat modest because he does handle all the media buys for the show, and he does have to look at different markets and see where they think it's. Well, I mean, it's really easy to find show. old people. Sure. I mean, old people, sure. you know. Sure. I mean, you just find like a Matlock episode, you know, you find talk radio, and then you just put a couple well, spots there, and you're done. I'm really not a genius. Good. Old people don't use Facebook because their fingers can't hit the buttons. And, like, so it's really easy, and you don't have to worry about fighting digital marketing or any of that stuff. You just basically just, you know, buy the oldest radio station and a couple of episodes of Matlock or Dial- <laughs> Diagnosis Murder, and you're set, and you sell the shows out. Right. Now, I had nothing to do with Muncie, Indiana. Like, if I would have been involved with that media buy, they would have sold 4,600 seats, and old pe- a thousand old people have been waiting outside to get in, but they didn't ask me to do Muncie, Indiana. Right. Well, just in our, in our defense, <laughs> Mellencamp was playing there a couple, like three or four days later, and he hadn't sold out, and he's uh, from right up the street. So. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Craig, do you notice that the audience tries to replicate their behavior from the summer of love? Well, absolutely. And I was going to say, they say old people, but this is, these are old people who still know how to party. I mean, ah. the, the energy in that room, I mean, it's electric. You guys are there. You're feeding off of it. And I think that makes for a better performance. strong odors in the... In the- Audience from they're all legal. Well, you can't get rid of the malt ball smell. That just that's no, no, I, <laughs> yes, there's a very strong odor of incense. Yeah, oh, oh sure. Yeah. yeah, so in case there are other odors, uh, no one knows them. Yeah, we don't pay attention yeah. to that. I have yeah. not smelled any marijuana at a Summer of Love show, to be honest. You haven't played Colorado yet, not yet. That's right, <laughs> hardly wait. Or Washington, no. that's right. No, it's no a, I was just curious. Because that did, no, that well did used to be audience, part of the, We should get, like, Smell-O-Vision or something, Smell-O-Rama, because that was part of the concert-going experience. I am old enough to remember going to concerts. It's just like, as soon as uh, the lights went down, whew, you'd smell, you know. Yeah, I remember it was, playing them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Emily would like to know. Emily Case tweeted in. Uh, she wants to know, what has been the most challenging aspect of creating a show like this? Hmm. 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 Not losing our minds. Um, uh, that's a hard one. I mean, you know, each song, each song has its own tricks. You know, like trying to go from uh, Joni Mitchell to Jimi Hendrix is a bit of a stretch. You know, mm-hmm. so you, you you want to find a cast 
that is or a cast member that you know is flexible enough to like there's Reagan Richards uh for instance she comes to mind she she does an incredible uh Grace Slick but also w- when we need a Janis Joplin she's got to turn on the fuzz box you know she's got to mm-hmm. kind of create that so there's you, you need uh musicians that not only can uh really entertain and and really be compelling but they also have to be flexible enough to uh wear a couple of different hats i guess it was pretty one of the difficulties i would assume would be uh determining what not to play in other words because you love so much of it <laughs> that's and true. you only can do 20 or x amount for, for so what do we leave out that's a much better answer <laughs> because really yeah the, we have the list is huge mm-hmm. and sometimes you know sometimes we we argue about it because we say well there's too many pop songs mm-hmm. the uh, summer of love was all about the underground radio yeah, and, the long... and you know in a god of and all, like right. these long pieces and yeah. you know uh you know light my fire and when the music's over and all this long form stuff um so you know trying to whittle it down which is part of the reason why the show sometimes is three hours long we have we have a real challenge coming up on saturday when we go and do a corporate in houston Mm-hmm. Uh, this Saturday, the 16th. And the show, we can only play 90 minutes. We can't play anymore. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be the first time we've really had a short-form show that we had to stick to, and we're going to see how it feels. You know, we don't know. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a great follow-up, and it's gone. You guys missed it in my head. <laughs> this this radio show just took off in my head. Uh, yeah. what, the, what other universities oh. off the top of your head did you have you played or coming up? Um, Jasper College, uh, the University of Florida. Mm-hmm. At, uh, Gainesville, was it? In Gainesville, Gainesville at, the, yeah. at, at the Phillips Center. Um, there, uh, well, Gettysburg wasn't a college. Um, it's an address. It's, it's an address. It's, it's also a Civil War battle. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, there were a bunch of them. There were a bunch of them. You know, I'm just, yeah. you know, I was just wondering in terms of this generation and wanting to see that from six because their parents probably told them about it you know especially the whole psychedelic era right because i teach history of rock and so on and so many of the essays are going and my parents turned me on to mm. hendrix when i was in sure about and all of that sure. you know so that um seeing how many colleges are sort of interested because i think it would be great i mean i don't think there'd be a problem at all as soon as they Get in there, and of course, everybody knows Hendrix. Everybody knows the right. Beatles. Yeah, you know some of the real um, the deep, staples. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. I am pretty amazed that so much of the music from when I was a kid continues to get played all yeah, the time. It's yeah. still somewhat contemporary, and there's this whole genre of classic rock. Kind of blows my mind, yeah. you know. It's like it's the equivalent of when when I was a kid. If Rudy Valley would have been like still, <laughs> you know, applicable, you know, it's pretty amazing. Well, you know, it's that's very interesting because we were when we grew up, we were supposed to change. Either we were supposed to go to Stephen Eady or or Sinatra or whatever, exactly. and we didn't. We didn't. Yeah. You know, and nobody wants to go to a concert and hear the latest Rolling Stones tune. Yeah. Right. No, they want to go back. And relive when they felt good, right. you know, and and listen to so on and so forth. But we were supposed to do that. I think we're going to be the first generation that's going to wear Nikes till we're ninety. Yep. We're not going to go to Walmart and get the knockoff and and seems so on like and so it. Forth. It seems like it. Big underpants. I um, mean, I mean, one of the you know, one of the interesting things is that 
in a lot of, you know, the audience really differs in, in each venue that we go to. For instance, we were in Fort Lauderdale, and the audience was rather old. Mm-hmm. We were in Jasper. The audience was very old in Jasper. <laughs> At the Basie a couple of weeks ago, um, it was very diverse. There were, there were 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. It was a real diverse crowd. Mm-hmm. So it really, it, it's very dependent on the part of the country that we're in, the, the context of where we're playing. The university shows obviously tend to have mm-hmm. a, a little younger uh, uh, demographic to the crowd. Right. So, and it's right. cool. We, we love to see that. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, uh, Live Nation a few years ago brought back some of those original concert promoters. You know, there was a Cellador, oh. and they brought back Electric Factory, and they brought back right. whatever. I can't remember. But they brought back all these sort of as brands, you know, underneath the umbrella of Live Nation. Because it spoke to so many sure. people. They said, oh, I mean, I used to go. Well, they brought back the Fillmore. Yeah, and yeah. the Fillmore, too, right. sure. And uh, so many people said, oh, I remember, you know, if it's going to be like that, I'm going, man, because that was great, you know. So uh, I think this has just that real hook. I mean, a commercial hook of the of the wanting to relive the whole experience, not paying $400 to see Mick Jagger and... And Keith get massages and then run out and play for two hours <laughs> and so on. And instead of doing that, but seeing a whole smorgasbord of, of that era. I mean, I think it helps, too, because we have a very varied um, age demographic on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, we have people in their 20s. We have people in their 30s. We have people in their 40s, 50s. Yeah, there's a couple of young singers, a couple of young girls, that, uh, like Brielle, for instance, right. who... She doesn't know any of this music. Yeah. She's never heard any of it. Right. Like she she kind of grew up listening to Christina Aguilera. Right. So so right. we there's some of some of the cast members who we have to kind of train. It's like, "No. Yeah. You got to go back and listen right. to Joni right. Mitchell now." Like when I, I asked an early rock question and uh, on one of my uh, essays in the in the course and they'll start talking about Van Halen. Right. And I, right. N- no. So I have to put in a date. You know, pre nineteen seventy or pre nineteen whatever, yeah. because that's where they, oh, that was old Van Halen, you know. And I'm saying <laughs> Van Halen, you know. Right. So yeah, what, you're absolutely correct. When, when you're uh, choosing songs, we we mentioned that you mentioned "Light My Fire," for example. How do you choose if I'm doing the long version or yeah. if I do the single edit? Yeah, mm-hmm. we sometimes we do editing, um, meaning like this the, from the single that get played on the radio. They cut out the whole. Keep yeah, so sometimes, I mean, yeah. or or sometimes we do our own edit job of something in between. Mm-hmm. But just so happens that "Light My Fire" is such an iconic song that we do every note. Mm-hmm. You know, the keyboard player mm-hmm. spent a lot of time transcribing every note that Ray Manzarek played, right. and mm-hmm. the guitar player has this incredible tone and incredible memory. And uh, Joey Law, he he plays every note that Robbie Krieger played. So, mm-hmm. and I stand there playing this bass line. I counted it once. It's over 180 times I have to do this one bass line. But uh, <laughs> it's a really long song. But it's boring for the bass player. But um, it's extremely exciting live. And, I, I, you know, I like to do shows that if I were in the audience, I would want to see. Right. Mm-hmm. And it would blow my mind. And it does blow my mind when we do it. But it would blow my mind to sit in the audience and watch somebody do the entire Light My Fire note for note. Because mm-hmm. you do know it. You're like, you, you, you do recognize every little nuance in that song and when you hear it 
It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, they're doing it. They're right. doing- mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that we realized very early on is that most people, if not all people, had never seen all of the artists that were playing live. Oh, yeah. So this is their first experience mm-hmm. with seeing all of these artists live, or at least their music. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm in, I'm in a cover band and we do charity gigs you know, similar to what you do and every time we do a gig it's a, a theme around like classic rock or something mm-hmm. where the audience choose the songs in advance and they pay for the songs and that goes to the charity that we're, that cool. we're doing mm-hmm. we try and do the note for note thing and and i sort of run the band and i push really hard the note for note because when you talk about the audience they know if we do 25 or 6 to 4 by chicago even though it's a long guitar solo, they know every note of that guitar yeah. solo in their head. And if the guitar player doesn't play it, mm-hmm. it kind of messes up the experience. Is that your feeling? Is that why you're going for the note for note thing? Yeah, I think even if you don't think you know it, I think you do. when you hear it, yeah. you recognize it. It's like, mm-hmm. yep, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, I agree. Um, yeah. Zach Levinson wants to know, how does a cover band, and I hate to use the term cover band for you, so that's don't right. take that as, as offensive, but um, how does a cover band find mainstream success, and is it a business model that works across other genres? Your, your classic rock, could you do this for hip-hop? hip-hop? Yeah. I mean, is, is this, and that's a sort of a, a talk overall about music, and 30 years from now, are we going to be talking about music from the, uh, the 2000s, you know? Well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think that uh, great music does seem to last a long time, have a great shelf life. And there are, you know, there's a Carol King Broadway show right now, and there's mm-hmm. been Lieber Stoller, there was a show there. And, you know, I mean, there's a George Gershwin show on Broadway right now for Pete's yeah. sake. And it, yeah. So, I mean, I think the great music, there's always a, an audience for it. And, I and uh, yeah, if I was well-versed in hip-hop, I don't think I'm the guy to do it. But absolutely, that's actually a great idea. Yeah, it is. A, a great hip-hop uh, review kind of show, I'm sure, is in the making sooner or later. It's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Or it is now. Anyway. Well, Hamilton, well, Somebody I guess. has to pay well, for the samples. Right. Somebody has to pay for the samples <laughs> this time around. Right. For the yeah. hip-hop cover band, you have to pay the artist that you're sampling. Well, I guess if you have That'd a be okay? De- actually, Can we make you, that happen? Well, live, actually, you wouldn't have to. Because it's it's just the the venues playing the pros, right? Right. right. So and that's the good thing about what you're doing because you're not recording. It's just a live show, so your only expenses are the band. You don't have to worry about licensing and anything. Well, anything. yeah, but ASCAP and BMI usually the, in, in every uh, theater we play, right? They have, yeah. Yeah. but the venue's paying. They're paying, they're paying for it. Yeah. You know, and as yeah. a songwriter who has you know numerous hits out there, that is important to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in this case, I'm not playing my own songs. But when somebody else is playing my songs, you know, I get checks every so often. Can we, I mean, I, I think one of the things that is going to determine what, you know, what tributes or celebrations happen in the future is as much economic as anything else, because our generation has the money to go see this stuff. So, you know, the people with the money drive the business. Uh, what, you know, what people are paying for is what gets produced. So, you know, the, 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 the economic uh, reality of America is changing. So it, I, I think it really remains to be seen what happens and how that affects, yeah. you know, the yeah. output of art in, in America. So Yeah. Uh, Anthony has another question for Glenn, um, because you were a member of Styx for a while. I was, um, 10 years. And having been a member of a very successful band, did you learn from that? And did that help you with Summer of Love with this project? Yeah, I don't know that there's anything specific that comes to mind, but yeah, I was I was... In sticks for about ten years, and uh, 
you know, you just see it like a level of professionalism that I might not have seen otherwise. That was a serious touring. It continues to be a serious touring act, uh, playing sheds and theaters and arenas. Um, and so, you know, I learned a lot about how to behave. But, um, but yeah, specifically, I can't really think of anything offhand. I just know... You know, how, how to uh, be flexible and enjoy what you got. That's what I learned. One thing I did read was that you, you were in the band for 10 years, and you and what I read was you stopped uh, touring with the band because you didn't want to be on the road. You wanted to be home with your family. Yeah. Uh, can you explain, if you, if you can, for those of who have never gone on the road the way you did, what that is like and how that does tear you apart from, not tear apart a family, how it takes you away. You know, it did the, tear apart the family, actually. But, um, uh, you know, I, I my daughter Darla was 12 years old when I went on the road. And when I when I came back, but, I mean, I would be home here and there. However, I kind of missed a lot of her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before I knew it, she was 22 years old. Yeah. And I had missed a number of her birthdays and things like that. Uh, and I've got, you know, three other kids. So, um, you know, it's 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 a bit of a sacrifice, but it's also great. You know, I loved it and I learned from it. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of difficult, and and it continues to be that way. I mean, when somebody calls with work, when you're a musician, when somebody calls with a job, usually you just automatically say yes. Mm-hmm. And for instance, this week alone, I'm doing so many things this week that uh, I've been rehearsing. I rehearsed this afternoon with another act. I rehearsed last night with another act. Uh, and tomorrow I go up to Rye Brook, New York, because I'm playing at the uh, Beatle Fest Beatle Convention all weekend, doing Beatle songs. Mm. Uh, so I, there's a not there's it's it's not it's never ending um, for me, and I'm lucky because I'm so busy, you know. Um, I'm getting ready to record an album with my group, The Weaklings, our second album. And uh, and I just did a show last weekend called The British Invasion. And, and uh, the, the, a, f- a few days after that, I did the I was the musical director at the New Jersey Hall of Fame induction ceremony. So any, in any case, I'm very busy. And when somebody calls and asks if I can do something, the answer is yes. So if if my wife is having a birthday. I'm like, sorry, honey, I got a gig. And that's my life anyway. Mm. Which is cool. I, this is what I signed up for. I'm not going to complain. And I guess she signed that. up for that too, though. When she married, that's what I'm saying. she knew who yeah. she was marrying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And are you saying yes? How, how much of it is love? You know, love for doing this and having this lifestyle. I mean, there's got to be still inside you a tremendous amount of passion and love to, to do all this. Yeah, I mean, it's... I'm stupid lucky to, to be to to do what I always wanted to do when I was 12 years old. All I wanted to do was this, and here I am, 61, and I do, and I'm still doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fantasy life. I'm, I live a charmed existence. Am I, you know, am I filthy, stinking rich? No, but he's rich. But um, I, <laughs> I rich Russo. There we go. But but uh, but I'm very. But I'm. Uh, Money is does not buy happiness. By the way, I would like everybody listening to know, mm-hmm. um, it's about it's about the joy of what you do, what you live, what you how you work, how you play, and I just have a blast playing music. Wow, who I can't complain.
Mm-hmm. But I think the three of us would agree with that um, because, you know, my whole life has been about music. From the from the time I was ten years old, I wanted to be, and yeah, I wanted to be a professional trumpet player. I got to do that. Yeah, you know, I got to stay in the music business even after I stopped playing. Why'd you stop? Um, you know, there there I had some personal issues. I was going through some rough mm-hmm. rough times. Um, I had to get off the road and kind of save my life, and uh, so I did, and uh, I kind of got out of the whole music business bar scene for a few years and. Uh, five years actually and uh, kind of rearranged my life and then you know found a figured out how to get back into what I loved but on a different on a different plane so mm-hmm. yeah Tony uh, was a trumpet player when we met and we both played in the same band together the yeah. Bomb and Hubgaps right. and he had also been on the road with Springsteen and uh, he was in the Asbury Jukes Southside Johnny and then very interesting that he went from being a musician to becoming a promoter and a club owner, and uh, he, he's it's that's a pretty amazing kind of change of hats. But he knows the insides and the in and outs of the whole thing. Did you start the Starland Ballroom from nothing? Did you buy it and it was always already something established? No, it was, uh, I created it. And what did you do? How how does somebody do that? How does somebody create a venue and make it an iconic? Well, I, I had a company called Concerts East that mm-hmm. was successful, so I was already a concert promoter in the region, mm-hmm. and, and I had a partner, um, and we were successful. You know, we were doing two to three hundred shows a year in seven states here in the Northeast. And so, were you uh, uh, competitors with John Share? John was kind of no. John wasn't very present in New Jersey at that point. This I, before or after? It was after. Okay. I, the, my com- I started. My first company, which was called Legend Productions, in 1992. Okay. And I had seen a gap in the music business and here in New Jersey. Um, you know, that period of time was the big change from glam bands like Cinderella to great rock bands like Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And John had really geared his business towards arenas. And literally in a three-year period, the business went from arena shows to shows of 3,000, you know, 3,500 seats and down. Yeah. And he had given up all of those venues, Capitol Theater and the Ritz in New York. Right. And so his arena business just evaporated in, 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 in three years, and he didn't jump on the alternative music transition. I did. I saw it. You know, it was one, my one good idea. Because uh, someone had told me once, all you need is one good idea. <laughs> They're right. So, you know, so that... Uh, created uh, an entry point for me into the business. And so that's what I concentrated on, and I was fortunate enough to meet the right partner at the time, and we created a company that was really known for this. I mean, I, you know, I brought the Warp Tour to New Jersey in the, in the first year, and I did it for 18 years here. And, you know, the whole skate and surf kind of culture that developed co- developed around Concerts East. Um, we started losing venues in the 2000s to, uh, to real estate developers. Tradewinds and, and Birch Hill disappeared, so we needed another club, and friends of mine owned a place called Hunkabunka Ballroom in Sayreville. And they also owned a place called uh, DJs in Belmore. They still do. But Hunkabunka wasn't doing well. I convinced them to let me do a couple of shows there, and one night the bass player from Bad Religion came running up the stairs after his, his performance and he goes, Tony, I got a great idea. You ought to buy this place. This is perfect, you know. And I said, it's funny you said that. Hmm. We're talking about it. So I, I saw that as a sign from 
the heavens, you know. And we bought it uh, at a great price, and we turned it we turned it into Starland Ballroom. And we were thinking of, of of you know kind of having a mixed format, you know, teen nights and dance, you know, all, all that kind of stuff, cover bands and and national acts. And I used to sleep on the floor of the building in a, in a, in a sleeping bag while we were working on it just to kind of feel the vibe of the building. And I, I figured the building was going to tell me what to do. So one morning I woke up and I said, I called my partner and I said, you know, this has got to be a concert facility, 100%. We have to brand, we have to tell the industry that there's one one place in New Jersey that's a club where you can do national entertainment 350, you know, two days a year, whatever, 365 days a year. And it worked. So, we, you know, we were... At our peak, we were doing almost 200 shows a year wow. and selling over 220,000 tickets, and the club was in the top five in North America in terms of ticket mm -hmm. sales. So, It's still the place great. to play for yeah, it's great. Yeah. DIY bands. Every band yeah. you know, is always trying Both to get to, to play there. there. Have what? Both my kids were under 18 went there yeah. for yeah. shows. Both his kids got arrested there, too. Well, that happened yeah. a lot. Yeah. I, know, I know. So we have about a minute left. Yeah, my kids. Right. Yeah. Well, they were. It was proven that they were not his kids. Actually. So did you learn anything so, tonight? I didn't learn a thing. No, I was just uh, <laughs> staring over at Rich Russo. Yeah. And one good it. idea. Remember yeah. that, kids. It's one, one good, good idea. idea. There is actually. Now, you guys, this is recorded. This is going to be a podcast. So there is actually a number of good things uh, that we'll be able to listen back to. I'm sure the maybe the five of us we get together and we listen to the podcast and we dissect it like a frog. In biology class. Like I think we're going to create a course around it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we will do that, actually. Um, so we should start giving some thanks, and we should, again, plug the event taking yes. place April 30th, right. 2016, at William Patterson. That's the Summer of Love Experience taking place at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock, Shea Center for Performing Arts. And I just want to mention we have two WP Pop Music students, Christina Rigamonte and Zach Smith. They're going to do a pre-show acoustic set. Nice. They're going to play sure. some cool original tunes. And if Tony allows, they'll even play some Zeppelin. Nice. Yeah. Oh, All right. Uh, we have the okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I will see her tomorrow. Both of them. I teach them. They're, uh, she has a killer voice, Christina Rigamonte. Yes, so they're, they're, they're awesome sets. Great. So Saturday, we should. Sunday night or Saturday? Saturday. Saturday, Saturday night. night. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday night. night. Yeah. That's People right. <laughs> there we go. So let's first thank Bianca Russo for producing. Thank Bianca Russo for producing. That's great. Bianca. Everybody's standing for Bianca Russo right now. So why don't we thank our friends Glenn Burtnick with 1K. Glenn Burtnick. No C. Get rid of the C. That's gone. Glenn Burtnick. 1N, too. So uh, low budget there on the name. And then we have Rich Russo with two S's. Yes. Two yes. S's in Russo. Rich Russo. That's right. And we have Tony. I'm sure your name has been spelled wrong about a million times. Oh, yeah. Tony Palagrosi with one S. Tony Palagrosi with one S. There we go. Two L's. Two L's. On an album cover was spelled wrong. <laughs> there we go. There's good good proofing. There you go. We want to thank Craig Wolper for coming here and arranging this whole thing. Craig Wolper from WP Presents. Say hi to Jane Stein. Uh, we want to thank Rich. I'm sorry. We want to thank Rob Fusari. We're listening to Don't Let Love Down now. Stream it. Buy it on iTunes right now. And then also we want to thank my 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 best friend of my entire life, Dr. Fun. Stephen Marconi. I had fun. You had a good time tonight? Yeah. This was good. good. Stephen Marconi had a great time. Steve Marconi had a great time tonight. And of course, without, well, nothing would be complete without 
Professor David Kirk Philpott. I am the professor. I am your professor, David Kirk Philpott. Yes, yes. So I want to thank you all personally. Thank you so much. Hugs uh, after this. And uh, for those of you who were not here when we said hello, we would like to just say one thing to them. Next week, Rob Fusari. The week after, after it's a repeat because uh, we're doing a gig with Rob Fusari at the Cutting Room in New York. Cutting Room, New York City. On Wednesday, Wednesday. April 27th, 9 o'clock, doors open. Watch me play drums. So there we go. So instead of hello, we say the opposite at the end of the show. And that word is adios.